Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Yes, that's right. You're with Annie now. Thanks very much, uh, Joe and uh, Pat, for the uh, talk back with attitude. Always great fun and always the finger on the pulse. Uh, yeah, the MUA are, are meeting outside uh, Mersk's, the... Um, Tomorrow at uh, one o'clock uh, out in Keilor Downs, I think it is, um, where they are going to take the issue of Spitzer tug, uh, tow, towage workers being flicked off by that mighty big company. The company is the biggest uh, logistics company in the world and they've decided that they're going to t- uh, uh, knock off... Uh, local workers and bring in fly-in, fly-out workers so that they don't have a union uh, EBA. So uh, that's pretty grim. And uh, it's uh, a national campaign that the MUA uh, have announced. But tomorrow they're going to Mersk's offices to take it home to them outside their offices in Keilor. Um but today we're it's showreel and uh, we're looking at uh, some films and filmmakers, uh, Australian films and f- uh, filmmakers. And uh, for a while now we've been looking at uh, some of the offerings at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Uh, the Melbourne Document Film uh, Film Festival has uh, put, produced a fantastic uh, website which uh, it's been showing online uh, documentaries, but it's uh, taking the uh, uh, films offline and putting them up on the big screen uh, starting uh, on the 21st, 10 days in July, 21st of July to the 31st of July. And uh, we've been covering some of the uh, filmmakers and their films. Uh, today we're going to uh, first talk to Sarah um, Markison, um who has made a film called uh, Holy Duty. It's a short film and it's about a group of Jewish volunteers that spend years of their life preparing, sanctifying and burying Jewish bodies, but people from their community who have died, um, and not just anybody off the street. <laughs> but it's a, it's a very important sort of uh, ceremonial and sacred uh, uh, process uh, that uh, is undergone uh, gone, and it's done on a voluntary basis. So it's quite an interesting delving into uh, the, the issue of death and uh, how the living um, deal with it. And, uh, so I talked to Sarah about her short film and uh, first up we'll hear from her and later on we'll hear from uh, Nick 
Buckler, who's made a film called The Healing. Yeah, so it's my one of my my films from last year, from my first year of my master's degree at the VCA. Um, I sort of came about doing it because, well, I was planning already to make a film, I guess, surrounding death and like ideas around death. Um, but with all the COVID stuff happening, it just felt like a bit morbid. <laughs> um, so I was, you know, my family's Jewish. And um, through speaking to a few family members, I discovered, which I didn't actually know, that um, some of my families sort of do this practice that I showed in my film, um, which is why I sort of got interested in it. And um, we had a few conversations about my grandfather's death, who obviously went through this process as well, being Jewish, this death process. And um, yeah, I got super interested in it. And I thought it was a super spiritual, beautiful practice. Um, and yeah, that's how, to, how I sort of got started with it. How did you go about actually, um, uh, you know, synthesizing the uh, film into uh, the, out of the material that you got? Firstly, what had happened was I had contacted the person, uh, Fred, who runs the Febra Kadisha in Melbourne. Um, and he had put me in touch with this woman, Nicole, who was, yeah, just really great and we sort of hit it off straight away which is why she ended up being my subject her just her her energy was so like soft and gentle and um really open and I was kind of surprised very early on with how someone who's like so clearly has such a beautiful soul and is so like soft and gentle could deal with something that's so not soft and gentle (laughs) um but then yeah we sort of the interview sort of took a different route than I expected and um, it ended up being a lot more about sort of the sentiments of death than I expected. And then, yeah, in the edit, um, sort of looking at all of that, I just felt as if that was the more interesting part because it sort of got me thinking a lot about my attitudes to death as well, which is why I ended up being mainly about that as well. The approach that you took to the actual locations and stuff like that uh, and the music that you used, uh, how did you decide on those kind of elements? Well, as for the visual, um, I had a very strong idea going in what I wanted and basically it was exactly what I imagined. (laughs) Um, I knew that I wanted the sort of slowness and the um, beauty of the practice to be reflected in the way I filmed it. Um, So there's sort of slow, looked like slow shots and, you know, the room with the yellow room where it sort of goes up and around, like, I wanted that to feel spiritual and to me the sort of slow pace gave the details of the room was of the rooms was what I wanted and basically it came out exactly how I expected. Um, and a similar attitude with the music, I had a really great composer um, called Jared Plant and he was amazing and I sort of said to him again, I want the mood to be slow, um, a little bit mysterious but not necessarily in like a not to overdo it. I just wanted it to be reflective of that sort of um, meditative mood that I was going for. Um, And then I spoke to my composer in moods and my my camera person also in moods. And I was like, I want it to be like this. And yeah, it translated pretty well to what I was expecting. How long did it take you to edit it? Um, I edited that one in, I think, two weeks, just less than two weeks. It actually translated quite uh, specifically to what you imagined. Yeah, visually, definitely. Musically, I had no idea. I'm not very good with music. So I was lucky that I had a very uh, great great composer who could translate my rambling thoughts into music. (laughs) Um, 
But as for visuals, yeah, it was pretty, I couldn't really predict the interview, but visually I knew what I wanted and um, I was able to sort of get that across and, and make that happen, which was a great experience. This is my first real film that I've properly made, but I am in the process of production of, of a, my grad film at the moment. It's going to be um, a short as well. It'll be probably around 20 minutes, a bit longer than this one, obviously, but um, yeah, still a short documentary. And yeah, so I'm sort of halfway through filming at the moment. So I should be backing that up around September as well. So what did you learn from the first one that you're now translating into this larger project? Because it is, I mean, that's just a considerably longer film now. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's the main thing that I sort of took from a uh, holy duty, the filming process, was that I was, you know, pretty nervous before and, and very much I always think it's great to collaborate with other people and I was sort of saying to my camera person you know what should I do here like do you think this is a good idea and he was really great at being like you're the director you tell me what you want and I'll make it happen for you it was a really great experience to sort of take charge and be confident in my vision because I knew what I wanted and, and to not feel afraid to sort of say this is what I want even if you know my crew were to disagree or have other ideas to collaborate with them but to also be confident in my own opinions and I'm definitely taking that into my production at the moment just being like I have a vision and you know not everyone would have the same one but that's fine and just being confident in myself yeah right so did you always want to make films um I'm not sure I sort of uh I worked in sort of I've always worked in the sort of creative industry um but I also did my undergraduate degree was a mix of psychology and English theatre studies so it was very eclectic um but I sort of just knew that I wanted to do something meaningful. I knew that I loved film. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something that would feel like it had the possibility to make some sort of difference or to be interesting or to change people's minds about things, which is why I sort of decided to get into it. That thing that you point out about um, confidence, that's extremely important, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. It's really hard. It's a hard thing, especially post-COVID, I think feeling you know as a young person what have I really achieved like in the last two years what have I done like where am I where am I going and it's a really hard thing to feel like you're progressing um so for me to to just have something made and to look at something and be like I made that and someone wants to look at it and see it and show it was a really big achievement and it just kind of helped me realise that, you know, you can just do you can just do something that it can it's obviously hard, but being confident in yourself is really really important. Yeah, so um you must be glad to have it uh being shown at the uh Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Yeah, it's great. I um just also played at St Kilda Film Festival as well, the same film. It's just nice to play at a for lucky to play at a sort of Melbourne centric festival as well. Um, and nice to be a part of that sort of local community. So, yeah, I feel really lucky that it's playing. playing. I never thought that that would happen, so I feel really lucky. (laughs) The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival returns with a huge showcase of factual filmmaking. Highlights include Cry of the Forests, a look at WA's sacred southwest forests and the activists trying to protect them, Mental as Anything, a heartwarming story about what it's like to live with mental illness, The Price of Truth, A look at Julian Assange and WikiLeaks with never-before-seen interviews. And many more. July 21st to 31st at Cinema Nova. A 3CR supporter.
Yeah, back with Annie on uh, Showreel. And uh, before we uh, go to my interview with Nick uh, Barkler uh, with his film The Healing, which is going to be the opening film at the uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival on Wednesday, um, just to uh, recap that the Spitzerelli at Mertz is 1pm Friday 16th. That's tomorrow. It's at 53 Harwick Road, Keelor Park, H-A-R-R-I-C-K, Harwick Road, Keelor Park, if you're in a position to be there at one o'clock and be supportive. Uh, as I said, uh, The Healing is the opening film for uh, Documentary Film Festival, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, starts next Wednesday. And I spoke to uh, Nick uh, um, Barkler about it. It's about... Um, it's a fascinating film. I thought it was fascinating because it's uh, it's about uh, t- uh, twinning um, horses that have uh, been abused effectively as uh, reaching the end of their lives as race horses, uh, and they are put uh, together with people who have been um, abused and damaged through the work that they've done uh, as first responders in the Navy uh, and other sort of uh, areas of concern. Anyway, uh, this is what uh, Nick had to say about the film. I was very impressed with the film, The Healing. Obviously, it's taken a number of years to uh, make this film. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yep. Um, Yeah, we started filming almost, uh, well, a little bit over five years ago. So we, I think we started filming on the 6th of June, 2016. Um, and then that was the initial five-day course that you see in the first two-thirds of the film. Um, yeah, and then I stayed in contact with uh, Scott, the horseman, and the, and the veterans, and then kept checking in to see what sort of prog- progress they were making um, once they'd left that you know, five-day um, course. And then it became evident that there was real value in following up on their journeys kind of years after that, you know? Um, And, um, and I I really enjoyed doing that. I I feel like that kind of gave the film um, some weight. I I feel like, you know, stories about um, courses or programs that deal with mental health, uh, the benefits of it. Like sometimes it's really helpful to see how long lasting these kind of benefits are. Like, you know, you might go and do a course somewhere and then, you know, um, you have a great time, but then you go home and two weeks later, your life falls apart again, you know? Um, Whereas these guys, because they kept involved with Scott and his horses, um, it just really had long-term benefits for them, which um, was great to document, you know? Actually, it reminds I don't know if you've seen this film, but it's uh, the Backtrack Boys, which is... Yeah, yeah, I love Backtrack Boys. I loved loved it. I really enjoyed that. I think they did a beautiful job, and... um, and and it does. It thematically has some real similarities, you know. Tell me also. I noticed at the end of the film, you do uh, in memory of uh, three of your relatives. Obviously, yep. people who had uh, uh, been in the army or in the navy. Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Can, can you yeah. just tell me so a my, little bit? Yeah. Yeah, my great grandfather. Um, my great grandfather. He was injured in World War One. Um, his brother was killed in World War One. And then my grandfather was injured in World War Two, um, so the memory is, you know, it's in memory of those three guys. Um, and you know, had it not been for a bit of luck, my dad would have been conscripted for Vietnam. So um, 
don't know, I've always been aware that like there's just generations of um, men on that side of the family that have been through war, you know, um, and is that something? Yeah, I, is that something that made you interested in this? Uh, did you meet the uh, fellow who runs this uh, farm? No, you know, I was talking to um, a friend of mine, Robert Drain, um, who we were talking about Afghanistan and the war that was going on and veterans that were coming back that had been suffering PTSD. And um, I was asking him about, well, you know, who's looking after them when they come back? You know, like what, what is actually happening to them? And I just got interested in that as a story, um, as, a, as something to explore, you know, maybe as an actor or as a filmmaker or whatever. Um, and I went out to Heidelberg Repat uh, Hospital in Melbourne and spent some time out there. And I could kind of see that it was a pretty dim environment for um, the way they were looking after veterans. Um, and then Rob, he's a writer, and he had written an article about Scott, um, the horseman in the film, uh, and about the work, work Scott was doing with not just veterans. Scott also works with guys in prison, um, takes his horses into prisons and gets guys to retrain the thoroughbreds in there to help them deal with being released from prison. Um, he also works with drug uh, drug addicts and alcoholics, and so so. Um, and he just started working with veterans. And Rob was saying, you know, there's this guy that's just started working with veterans. It's a new thing for him, um, and they're actually looking for someone to film some footage about the work they're doing because. Um, because he's helping heal the horses from the trauma, their traumas from racing, and and he's giving them a chance to have a new career as something else. And he's also doing the same for the veterans. Uh, and Robert's seen a previous film of mine, and he he said, um, "Would you be interested in me hooking you up with this guy? Maybe you could make a, you know, a short documentary about the work he's doing." Because they were Scott was looking for someone to film what they were doing because he um, he wants ultimately to get funding for his program. Um, and when he would pitch it to people, they all liked the sound of what he was doing, but they couldn't actually visualize it. So he thought, well, if I have some footage, it'll help convince people what I'm doing really works, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I was a bit insulted and, about the fact that they weren't uh, already funding it, but go on, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you know, there's a lot of places that, uh, there's a lot of veterans falling through the cracks of getting the help they need. Um, and And... I think Scott's, you know, he's an ex-mounted policeman. He's got a real affinity for people that serve the community, in, you know, be it veterans or police or firemen or ambulance officers. Um, he also works with first responders now in his... Um, so the, the, the Alliance um, also now takes in ex-police, you know, firemen, um, all the first responder groups. Um, and he just felt like there was an opportunity there for him to do something really valuable, you know? Um, um, but it's also really difficult to get funding, um, particularly through department of veteran affairs. So, you know, it became a bit of a kind of mission of mine to get the word out about the great work he was doing, you know, because I thought this, this really should be funded. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, I mean, if it was a, uh, a car park in a, um, in a uh, swinging uh, seat, perhaps he, or a 
country say he might have got funding anyway. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah, that. who knows? <laughs> who who knows? knows? Yeah. Yeah, Thoroughbred and v Veterans Welfare Alliance is the alliance you're talking about. So that's no, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get to the film itself. Um, yep. I mean, I remember your previous film. I mean, you've probably done other films since that about the boxer. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's a variety of elements to those two films, which are really, you have this sort of hypnotic way of uh, taking uh, the viewer up close to the people, but also the horses. I, I actually find the watching of what animals are doing uh, outside and what people think they're for, really fascinating. And this film really shows that. It's really fascinating. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you think so. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, my cousin is an equine therapist, and um, and so I was aware that um, with equine therapy, they take a well-adjusted horse and they pair it with a troubled person. You know, and the horse um, helps the troubled person in their interactions with each other and the relationship that starts to form. But I knew that Scott was taking troubled horses and pairing them with troubled people. And I, I just loved that idea. Um, and so, so then it becomes as a filmmaker, you get out there with these horses and you think, well, how do I, I can go and interview the veterans and they can tell me what they've been through, but I can't get that from the horses. So how do I bring these horses personalities and, glimpses of their trauma and stuff like that how do i um, dramatize or visualize that um so it's a real filmmaking kind of challenge you know um and of course because they're ex-thoroughbreds they're so beautiful on screen you know yeah. they just um they just i could i've you know i've got so many more hours of footage of them you can kind of look at it, it becomes quite mesmerizing looking at them the way they move and stuff it's just a really amazing but it's a way uh I mean, I can remember years ago uh, thinking that, you know, it's funny that people get on the back of horses because horses look like they're looking back at you. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way I saw it, and I thought that was really mm. interesting. And uh, mm. it, and the way uh, we're introduced, as the people who are traumatised are introduced to a fellow mammal, as it were, um, yep. is really fascinating. He, he's got a great uh, ability to define... The world within a um, manageable emotional space, doesn't he? The uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He really does. I mean, yeah, he's look. He's very knowledgeable. Um, very, you know. Obviously, he's been working with uh, horses, but of retraining ex thoroughbreds for a long time, many years. But but he's also very good at putting across to just like the average layperson that doesn't know anything about the horses. He's very good at quickly getting you to understand, okay, well, these are the basic things that we're looking for and these are the basic things that we need to achieve, you know. Um, so he's a, he's a kind of great guide for the audience through the film, I, I feel. Yeah, I think so too. And also you the interviews you did with the people who chose to speak to you because obviously not everybody in that group decided to talk to you. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, the they, no, they, they, um, they all... Of the six that were there, five did choose to speak to me. One guy didn't want to be interviewed, which I, which I completely understand. Um, and it's just we just chose to focus on the four, not the five. Cool. Okay. And um, they were very honest. It's a pretty uh, terrible sort of um, <laughs> outcomes for females in the Navy, I'd have to say. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, when I went up to film um, the course, I didn't know I didn't know the veterans, and I didn't like I had two weeks to prepare for the shoot before before we arrived there. So I didn't know the veterans, didn't know their backgrounds. Uh, I knew they'd been through trauma, but I didn't know what. And so that the, what you're hearing in the film was also the first time I heard it. Um, and it, it really took me back. Uh, took me back how. Um, both women had suffered so much um, abuse in the military, you know. Um, and then, you know, I've been working on this project for, for five years now and I've met other women um, who have also come out of the military who have also gone through the same thing. So I think that there is a, there's a bigger story there in terms of sexual assaults and harassment um, in the military particularly on the side of women than than is even in my doco. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but anyway, it uh, lifts the lid and it was very uh, honouring that they should uh, feel comfortable enough to explain. Yeah, look, they're really, yeah, I agree. I mean, they're very, um, they're very honest, but they're also, they're very brave, you know. Um, and, the, and the purpose of the film is really to help people. And they they were on board with that, so they understood that, you know, for the viewer to really get or uh, to get what they'd been through, but also maybe to identify with what they were talking about, they had to really, um, you know, reveal themselves and what they'd been through, and that took a lot of courage, you know, and, and I'm very um, grateful that they did that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because it's like leaving that behind. The film is like that. It's they're leaving those things behind and this whole exercise is about waking themselves up to their human selves and empowerment. That, I mean, that's it's a very uh, positive film, I'll have to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's called The Healing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... So that's very much um, that's very much the journey, and it is a positive film. Um, you know, and it, it, look, it takes when people undertake that type of work where they really want to deal with the traumas they've been through, and then hopefully leave them in the past. You know, it takes a lot of persistence uh, and a lot of courage to confront those things, and then and then work through them over a period of time. And I think I, I was just really really inspired by the fact that. Um, that they really would, that they really stuck at it, you know, um, and I was just really happy for them that they they started to have such great great um, breakthroughs. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is, I noticed that um, you collaborated in the writing with someone else, and you got someone else to edit it. So that means that you're, yes. it, it's a good working relationship you, you have with other people. So tell me about that. Yeah, so Robert Drain, who I who I co-wrote the piece with, Robert was the guy who suggested. Um, uh, well, he t he told me about the work Scott was doing with horses and rehabilitating people, um, and he's just a really great um, great collaborator, really good mind for story. You know, really, he, he, we can talk about. You know, the, what are what are the effective storytelling elements that we that we have in this piece? Um, so I really enjoyed working with him, and, and then my editor Sarah Edwards, she did a really wonderful job across um, what became years. You know, when you when you start off making a documentary, or at least in this case, um, I thought I was just going there for five days to film this this week long, you know, course in the country. I had no idea that I would still be filming three and a half, four years later. 
And uh, we'll leave Nick there. Uh, that's the healing. It's the opening uh, uh, film for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, which starts on Wednesday at the Nova up on the big screen. Coming up next is Published or Not. We're going to go out to, with a um, Chinese uh, um, punk band, Reasons to Rebel. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.